The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The brain is our personal tool to keep us at our best and realize self-esteem. The mind, body, and immune system work together to help us make the right choices and to reach our purpose and potential. Welcome to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Lindsay and her guests are the go-to experts when it comes to relationships, sexuality, parenting, and wellness. We're here to enlighten and inform you. Now, here is your host, Lindsay Levinson. Hi, I am Lindsay Levinson and I am your host. We're here at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets, and we're on the Variety Channel on voiceamerica.com. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank you for your outstanding support on Facebook and Twitter. And let me go ahead and tell you, Facebook is just Illuminating Now, all one word. Twitter is the at sign Illuminating Now. And then I'd love you to still check out the website where you can find lots of subjects that I am either credentialed in or skilled in or love to talk about or want to talk about with you. And we can certainly do Skype sessions as well. So that website is Quality for Life Coaching. Those are all four words, no letters, no spaces, qualityforlifecoaching.com. You can also email me at lindsay, L-I-N-Z-I, 244, at sbcglobal.net. And last week, Trace Levinson was on, aspiring writer, 20-year-old, but he's talking about guiding you and helping you with any information to get you out of boxes that you might be stuck in to a life that you love. And he offered his address, and I want to give that to you again. That was t.levinson at yahoo.com. And I will be introducing our guest shortly, but I want to go ahead while you have your pencils out and maybe are taking down notes on these, which would be great. Custom Solutions Consulting.com. Once again, Custom Solutions Consulting, all one word, dot com. And the guest will be Michael Levin, and we'll be introducing him in a little bit. There will be Lindsay's Life Secret or Secrets. There may be some multiple secrets on this show. And I am going to do one thing a little different, and I'm going to introduce next week's guest. I want to give you a teaser to who this is, because I think that I want, well, I have you all tuned in and alert. I'd like you to know that it's a New York bestselling author. This is Alan C. Fox, and Alan has degrees in accounting and law and education and professional writing. He's been a tax supervisor at a national CPA firm. He's done tremendous real estate endeavors that he can share with you. He's the founder, editor, and publisher of Rattle, which is one of the most respected literary magazines in the United States. So people stool, people, people tools is the distillation of his experience in all those areas, plus three marriages, raising six children, two stepchildren, and a foster child. So please do tune in next week. That's April 2nd, and you'll get to hear this best-selling author talk about life. And he's got 54 strategies to help us like our life. And it's really cool the way he lays out the book and really easy to read. Um, I also want to tell you to go onto Facebook because I, on Facebook, I've put a, a leader for you. It's um, a YouTube Connect. And so that YouTube Connect will allow you to see him and his dad. A very short video, only about a minute. If you're not smiling, I'm not sure why not. <laughs> it's really funny. It's actually pretty hilarious. So I posted that on the Facebook at Illuminating Now. So you might just get to take a peek at him. So having said all of that, I want to talk about today's show and I want to just launch it a little so we know where the material is and have some context for introducing our guest. And so today's show has been titled Anticipation is the New Calm. And I made that saying up many, many years ago. So it's one of my many Lindsayisms in the world, but 
it's about that technology. Pe- people challenge it. They say anticipation. <laughs> it's opposite of calm. What? What are you talking about, Lindsay? Um, I explain that we're the waiting is what we thrive on now because technology has created so many forums for us to throw something out there but wait for something back. That's important. So iPhones, iPads, and cell phones, laptops, tablets, chat lines, dating sites. Can't forget Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, blog sites, websites, email, PDAs, IMs. I could go on, right? We know I could go on. So all of these places, devices, forums allow us to wait. And that anticipation as we throw something out on one of them and then go check another, that's, that keeps us somewhat calm that they're at least available to go keep checking. But what if someone took our device away? What if someone took all of our devices away or even the simplicity of our cell phone fell in the pool? And if our cell phone fell in the pool and it was in the water... Um, with no backup, no backup to your pics, no backup to your context, you'd probably experience panic, heart beating fast, cold sweat, dizziness. You'd feel like you're in shock. You might feel hysterical, go into tears. You might feel like you're going to throw up. You might be heard saying, oh, my God, my life is over. That's it. And I want to say, I'm going to talk a little bit about those symptoms, but just a cute example is um, my two kids are about four years apart, And so the one that was on last week, when he was about 11, you know, so my daughter was 15. So 15 made more sense why she was on it more often and all that. 11 was a little concerning that they were just so, I call it the oxygen tank. They have to have the oxygen tank. And so what I did was I offered Trace $20 to put his phone away for 24 hours and lock it in a drawer. And that was a tough deal. Believe me, that was a tough deal. I'm sure any of you would still relate now. (laughs) Your heart's probably beating fast as I tell you that you'd have to put away your cell phone for 24 hours. But he took the deal. And he had a lot of anxiety. That was not an easy day at all. And the next day, 12 midnight, time was up. Gave him the $20. He got his phone out, turned it on, influx of crazy, you know, amounts of people wanting to reach him. And he said to me, why did you give me $20 when I got my phone back anyway? And I said, well, it was never about whether you were going to get your phone back. I wanted to show you you could live for 24 hours without what you perceive to be your oxygen tank. You think you can't live or breathe without this, but, but, but the truth is that you can. So I just want to speak to a couple of the symptoms that I'm talking about here. When I name you cold sweats, dizziness, throwing up, panic, heart beating, You feel like you can't breathe. Um, Those would be some of the same things you'd find under anxiety disorder if you looked it up. They would also be found probably under withdrawals from addiction. Same type of symptoms. So I want to read you a couple of quotes here, and then I want to introduce our guest and get moving on that. But I think that before I do any of that, I'm going to tell you an extremely brief story of something that just happened weeks ago locally in the Bay Area. A young teen, Jenna Betty, 14 years old. Some of you may have read about this. She was with her boyfriend hanging out at the train tracks. Freight train come and surprised them, but they jumped up and got out of the way. But Jenna dropped her phone. She realized, oh my gosh, I dropped my phone. She ran back to get her phone. And when she went to get her phone, the incredible vacuum that the train creates sucked Jenna under the train. So she went back to get a cell phone. But instead, she lost her life. Those are some of the same risks we would take if we were addicted to things. We would risk our life if we had to in addiction. So I'm creating some analogies here for you to get where I'm headed. When it comes to the internet and the web, I want to just read you that Dulce Zamora from WebMD talks about David Greenfield, PhD. He's a clinical psychologist in Connecticut. And he says that other characteristics of the net that encourage addiction include easy access, sense of timelessness, the hypnotic quality of the screen, and unfinished, intermittent nature of information. And if you listen to those words, unfinished, intermittent nature of information, that's anticipation. We're unfinished. We're waiting. So we have to be there. And that's what keeps us calm is that we can because something's coming. And this PhD also says what's even worse is the synergistic effect that these characteristics have 
when combined with the stimulating web content that can be habit forming. Such content could be found in gambling, shopping, stock trading, video gaming, porn sites, cybersex, chat rooms, you can go on and on. But those are alluring enough in and of themselves in the world. Stick them right where you can access them, and how do you not? He also brings up porn and says if you're into pornography, that may be something, but if it's easily accessible in your face, totally affordable, and you can do it anonymous, your behavior becomes altered in what choices you might make. The last little quote I'm going to read right now is by Nicholas Carr. He wrote The Shallows. And this is really important, so listen closely to this. I can't tell you how much this will be a quote that resonates with the thread that goes through all my shows, which is about being deep and living in awareness. So listen what he says. Some aspects of life, often the most meaningful and rewarding aspects, require time and depth. Yet the digital world constantly makes us break it into discrete, interchangeable bits that hurtle us forward so rapidly and inexorably that we simply don't have time to stop and think. And before we know it, we're unwilling and even unable to think. Not in any way that allows true self-awareness in any real context. So I think that's one of the most profound quotes I've read in connection to this because that's it. If we're not able to stop and think, we're not in awareness. And that connects to so many other things we'll talk about. So I want to introduce our guest and let him join in in this discussion because of the value that he brings. This is Michael Levin. He is the CEO of Custom Solutions, Inc. And he and that company provides high-impact consulting services in sales and presentation skills, leadership development. He works with Fortune 500s. He's launched product and service businesses and the multi-million dollar entities, and he's patented products, um, sold to all the chains you could ever imagine that you, that you can even think of in your head. He's been on TV, Home Shopping Network, QVC, was listed in Entrepreneur Magazine, and he's been on many shows and radio shows as well throughout the country. So this is a very successful individual. So first of all, let me just say hello and welcome, Michael. Thank you so much for making time in your busy schedule to be on the show today. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad you're here. And Michael, you and I, we've known each other for well over a decade. And certainly this bio that I just read, you know, it clearly explains how successful you are. I've personally witnessed your tremendous entrepreneurial successes many times over. But it's not always as seamless as it might appear. And I think people think when they see a story like this, you know, wow, I wish I was Michael, you know, and, and, and that may be true, but I think it comes at a cost. So I guess I would love you to share your story with our listeners so we can gather some wisdom directly from you. I'd be happy to, Lindsay. And you're right, there's definitely a price to pay. And I appreciate the quotes that you shared because I could not agree more. And I personally paid the price from not being self-aware. One of the key things that happened to me, and it started about eight years ago, and I'd like to start this story from six years ago because as I found out in becoming more self-aware, going through some therapy, there was a critical incident in my life that led to the beginning of this. Roughly six years ago, I started experiencing some tingling symptoms. And it had come after a period of time in which I had gone through some high stress. I had sold a company. I had always done well in the ventures I started. I had begun a new business, a consulting practice, and it was taking off more slowly than I expected. As well, I think we can all remember going back about six years, we also suffered, the economy had dropped quite a bit, and we were all struggling. I suffered some pretty good financial hits during that time, things that I had never experienced before. Well, I would got things turned around. I was doing well, and then all of a sudden started experiencing some symptoms. I had no idea what they were, what had brought them on, couldn't even explain what they were to a doctor, wouldn't even know who to see. And just intuitively, I had the feeling that they were serious, that it was somewhat life-threatening. What happened after that, and it's digressing a bit, I had suffered a few different incidents in which I had heat stroke. I had been hospitalized three times. One of those times, 
it was as close to death as I would like to come. I had stopped breathing, passed out, and felt very fortunate when I woke up that I was breathing again because I thought oh. I had taken my last breath. Oh, my God. So that was, so what was that, did that diagnosis come or is this a process still? It was still going through the process. They had assumed that I had pushed my boundaries too far and I had, I had earned the first incident. I was playing basketball, had not been hydrated. And the scariest thing about this, Lindsay, and this came from, I know all of us push too hard. And sometimes you don't know when you push too far. I'd stop playing roughly an hour before I passed out. I wasn't tired. I didn't pass out on the court. Oh, my God. I just felt tired. I felt, excuse me, not tired, but hot. I just stopped. And I thought I'd be fine. And I kept getting worse. An hour later was when I eventually passed out. I thought it was a one-time incident. About 30 days after these tingling feelings came about, I had my third heat stroke incident that I got hospitalized for. They told me after that incident, and they became easier to happen. That one, I certainly did not push things too far. There were others out there. I was just playing wiffle ball in the backyard with some friends. And again, the effect was well delayed. I was in Southern California. We had been done playing. I'd come inside, showered, packed, drank some water. It was an hour and a half later. was on my way to the airport, and the symptoms came on. I told my buddy, you've got to get me to a hospital now. Oh, my gosh, Michael. That's so scary because this is, I don't know where you're headed with this, but to live with something that's going to be symptomatic and throw it at you when, you know, you're not even knowing you're pushing too hard on anything. It kind of ties back to the whole theme of this, of pushing too hard and not knowing where you, how, excuse me, when do you push yourself too hard? Right. And the price that you pay for that by not being self-aware, by not being able to disconnect, and by all the things that we're tied into in which we don't ever, we don't ever give ourselves a downtime to relax and know when we've gone too far. I was told that it would be a couple weeks before I fully recovered. What I didn't realize was the tingling symptoms and this incident led to things I believe many of us experienced. And you were talking about panic attacks and anxiety attacks. Over the course of the next year, I suffered episodes of significant chest pains, dizziness and lightheadedness. In fact, I was in a fog for the entire year. It became my normal state of being. Uh. I went to a specialist after specialist. I went to a cardiologist for my heart, wore a monitor for a month, and they said, you're fine. I went to a neurologist because I thought maybe I have a tumor because I couldn't think clearly. I couldn't remember things. I might not remember somebody's name that I had known for years, and they found nothing. Mm-hmm. went to an endocrinologist because of the heat issues. They just found my thyroid is off. I was on pills, but nothing changed. And the rest of my life seemed to be on track. I was doing well business-wise at this stage. The doctors were mystified as to what it could be. At the end of roughly that one year, my girlfriend at the time, who used to be a nurse, She was on her computer and said, come over and take a look at this. She showed me the symptoms for panic and anxiety attacks. Everything I listed plus that feeling of that this is a life-threatening problem were all on that list. There wasn't a physical issue, even though I had all these physical symptoms. And in fact, I had a number of things that occurred from that, the thyroid being off, My cholesterol went off. I developed food allergies, things I'd never had in the past. And they were all caused by pushing too hard, not disconnecting, not being self-aware. And the medical community was not going to figure out the solution because this problem came from within. Well, I think it's interesting. I mean, one of the things that you said while you were telling all of that was, you know, 
you named, I was in a fog and I couldn't think straight and maybe not remember a name and all of these types of things. And you said, and I was doing well in business at the time that, you know, this was happening. And, and my first thought was business. <laughs> what are you doing at work? Like, oh my gosh, are you not taking a sick leave or a medical leave? Like, so, but this is, we don't do that. I mean, in America, you know, and if you listen to the corporate show and, you know, we don't do that. You know, we don't take minutes away from our desk. We're lucky to take a lunch, but you know, we don't think about taking a sick leave. But as you describe, I think I'm life threatening. And, and even so, even if you're not, your heart beating and anxiety and dizzy and not remembering. And I mean, that, that's all very significant and would appear to require some rest. But you're in the same sentence saying, and business was going well. <laughs> so, you know, I just really, really resonate with what you're saying here. We don't know. We don't know what we're doing or what's happening or if what's happening is because of what we're doing. So we really, we really don't know. And, and I wanted to clarify, you said six years and eight years. Was this eight years ago this all began or six years ago? The eight years was when I had my first heat stroke bout. Six years ago was when the dizzy symptoms started to occur and the last heat stroke bout occurred. Okay. You, you hit on such a profound point there, too, about we don't stop working. We don't stop pushing. I didn't. In fact, I didn't tell my clients about it. One of the healing points for me that really helped me once I realized what this was and what my issue was, and it was very hard for me to do, is I told my clients what I was going through. It was such a relief for me because you're right. In our culture, we don't. We don't use excuses. We push on through whatever we have to do. We suck it up. I know that was my motto, just suck it up. And it was so cathartic for me to be able to tell my clients and find out how understanding they were and sympathetic. It helped me be able to say if I was having a bad day that I was having a bad day. Right. Right. I think that it's very, that's really important that you're using the word healing, you know, that that's part of a healing process. And, and that will tie into everything else that, you know, that I stand for, which is authenticity. The truth, you know, the truth will set you free. So the truth, you're, you're actually telling somebody something that is your truth rather than suppressing it, repressing it, or in denial. We don't sometimes just want to look at ourselves. But then when we actually go inside, find what's a real truth, offer it out to somebody, that's authentic living. And it's not always easy, and it takes a lot of courage. But then what you said was key, it begins the healing. Because the truth, you know, if you can purge out what are things inside you that, again, either aren't healthy or the truth can help dismantle, then... God bless anyone who can do that, and I and I wish that for everyone. But it's it's really difficult. So 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 I interrupt you, do though, because I am interested. So you are working, and all this stuff's going on, and you're going to doctors, and then you look up anxiety. So what comes what comes next? What came after that was to confirm. I went to my general practitioner, and he said, "Let's try an anti-anxiety medication. Let's see what the reaction is, and then we'll know." I got on it. And I immediately felt much better. I also knew that was not going to be my permanent solution. I was not going to be on a drug that I knew was addictive. And I wanted to make this a temporary solution. So I was going to have to find the solution from within. That came from a number of things. First was telling my clients what I was going through so I could take that pressure off myself that I had to be 100% normal even when I wasn't. I went to therapy. I started learning about Qigong and other meditative techniques, about breathing. I started reading a lot. And I know I mentioned earlier about there was a key incident I never would have thought of if I hadn't gone and sought help that caused a lot of this. When my father was 48 and I was a senior, I just graduated from high school. My sister was a sophomore. My father took his own life. And while I certainly hope he found the peace that he sought, it certainly felt as though he had abandoned us. And I always swore that I would never abandon the people in my life, and I would never let them down. That I would push through and never show what I felt was 
in my mind, I'm not saying this for everybody, but a cowardice act on his part that he wouldn't stick around for his kids and for the people in his life. When these symptoms started for me was when I reached the age my dad had killed himself. Oh, wow. I wow. never would have tied that in without outside help. So that was getting therapy and being able to be telling your story to somebody and then having reflection back somehow, because I'm a huge, such a believer, <laughs> and I myself, you know, I have my own coach, and I mean, I believe if we're in our own heads, we don't, the answers may be in there, but actually organizing things so we can find them is very difficult. But if we can bounce what we're thinking off of other people, they, they don't give us the answers, but they help organize the data in a way that we can see things we would have never seen. Is that how you feel that happened for you? Absolutely, Lindsay. It made a huge difference in terms of me being able to understand that I pushed so hard and always wanted to take care of others because I never wanted them to feel abandoned as I had. And I would do so at whatever cost to myself there might be. This was my lesson, the beginning of my lesson, that I need to also take care of myself and allow others to take care of me as well. Right. Right. And, and so did that lesson begin? I mean, because you say that six years ago is when you found that out. So was that the beginning of a new road to healing? It was almost a full year that I had suffered the symptoms without knowing what was going on. The healing began about five years ago, and this is an ongoing journey. I am definitely not... 100% yet. I am dramatically better than what I was five years ago. And I know this is going to be an ongoing process that type A driving personality isn't going to go away. I'm still going to be trying to suck it up a lot of times. At the same time, I'm trying to live on a daily basis in a much healthier way to take care of myself both inside and out. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to cut to break. This is Lindsay Levinson. I'm your host at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. We have Michael Levin on. And we'll stop there with the texting as a question and a lot more to talk about on the technology piece and maybe technically any glitches in anything in life that can cause you stress. We might have just experienced one. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com In today's society, there is just too much competition. Women are taking on the same roles as men. They're working side by side, competing for the same positions. What is happening? This is transferring to how men and women feel about each other and relationships. We're delaying marriages or not even getting married at all. It's time to go back to basics. Listen for this groundbreaking show with host Naftali Schwartz. But it's not really that groundbreaking. It's just a new way of looking at things. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. 
to connect with Lindsay or her guest, please call in to the show at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to lindsay244 at sbcglobal.net. That's L-I-N-Z-I-244 at sbcglobal.net. Now, back to Illuminating Now. Hi, this is Lindsay Levinson. We are back. You are at Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And I have Michael Levin, our special guest today. So, Michael, you and I were talking. We went off at the part about texting. And, you know, I bring that up because I think people think, you know, well, it's true. People are addicted on the Internet and people can't get off the Internet. You know, we talk a lot about the Internet and facing our computers and all the things. And I'm not done talking about some of that. But people think like a little phone that's texting you. Well, that's not a problem. That couldn't make you ill. That that couldn't use up your energy. And I wanted your opinion on texting. Absolutely. And I think texting and emails cross some common boundaries. One or there's two real incidents or pieces that are concerning about texting and emails. First is we don't ever disconnect. We feel responsible that we should always be accessible via email, via text. We have our phones all the time. If we don't respond back right away, people feel as though you aren't being responsive to them, that you should be always on top of it. And that includes weekends, vacations, nights. The expectations have become pretty stunning with numerous clients I work with. The employees are expected to be available essentially 24-7. And I think that inability to disconnect is so unhealthy. If at all possible, I think it's essential that you put yourself in a position to be able to shut down, not take the texts, not take the emails, not be texting when you're in conversation with others. The other critical piece to this is I teach presentation skills as well. Over 80% of how people perceive your communication is nonverbal. It's not your words. All we have with text and emails are our words. What I have found, and when I've personally done this, I've paid the price. If you have something sensitive to say or something that might in any way offend somebody, might be interpreted in different ways, it needs to be done, in my mind, by phone at worst and ideally in person. If you send something that's sensitive via email, what I've personally found, it just never ends well. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I cannot relate more with you about this. Um, You know, you are doing your trainings and this kind of thing, and you have your, you know, area of the world that you're in business, and here I am, a coach, and so I'm telling people this same thing, which is funny because you and I have never shared this, but, but I have a rule that... You know, I try to teach people that this should become your rule, and it is that texting is for positive comments just like, I can't wait to see you, or you did a great job, or I'm thinking of you because I miss you, or something that's positive and that's the only way it can be said, or scheduling, like, I need to change 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. Does that work? And, and I believe that Many of the others, as you said, not definitely, for sure, um, adverse comments, but even ambiguous. I use, the, I use the example of thanks a lot. You tell someone, you know, here's all the information I could get for you, blah, 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 and the person answers back, thanks a lot. And you're not sure if they're saying, you know, thanks a lot. Like, I told you to research something and you gave me three things, or, oh, my God, thanks a lot. That was great, you know. <laughs> so one person on one end, you know, is, is each person is in their own illusion of what was the experience they just had because nobody really knows what was received through technology. So I really, I think that is, I think that's really key. And do you think in the workforce, like you being in the workforce, are you, you yourself able to facilitate, you know, the ability because email and text, that's kind of like what we do. We don't even get up from our desk and go talk to the person three desks over. We just text or email something. Are you, have you found your ability with that personal belief system to change anything? 
I have found that when I do talk with people and can get them on the phone, that the experience is dramatically better. That any time I don't, I've lost relationships over it because of interpretations personally. I find the end result, my ability to get something finalized, to get a sale completed, to get two people on the same page is dramatically enhanced. I make sure with my clients, and I try and make sure I follow that same rule myself, is exactly what you said. If it's something that is not absolutely clear, a piece of information, something positive, try and get them on the phone. It's a much better solution than email or or texting. I'm kind of astonished as to how far it's gone. I was at a, a restaurant. This stuck or this really stuck out to me. It was about a year ago. And sitting outside waiting to go in, and there were about 10 kids standing in a circle. They were around high school age. None of them were talking to each other. They were all on their phones and doing something, texting or whatever. <laughs> right. I don't know if they were texting other people, texting each other. There was not a conversation taking place. Right. Right. Oh, my gosh. I've seen that so many times, too. And certainly raising teens and understanding that. And, and I think it's, um, you know, and you mentioned even a relationship can end. And I think that's really critical, too. I want to bring that up because I, I really don't care. I mean, if it's a personal love relationship or if it is in business or if it's a friend, I think that it, it is really happening. We are utilizing technology to avoid conflict and we might create the conflict or there may be a conflict, but I am, again, that's one of my credentials, conflict resolution, mediation. I really am a huge believer, not just in it, but I believe, and this is another Lindsayism. I say when people say we went on a vacation and we went here and it was fun and so we really bonded. And I, my view is, well, you might have bonded, but what I will give you is you made memories for sure. Like those are the memories in your books, your birthdays and all these special times. But conflict... I say, is where we bond. And people will sometimes want to understand that a little better. But I say, you know, whether you get, whether you're in agreement or not, if you can get through it, if you can use your ability to be present, use yourself, use your words, use your body language, and move through conflict with someone, when you're on the other side, you're safer because you actually witnessed that you got through a conflict wherever you both landed. And so I think in our society, we avoid conflicts, we run from them, and technology makes it really easy. So if we're texting or we're emailing, you know, and we don't like what someone says, it's easy to be mad or mean and say something back. It's also easy to shut your text down. You can just just answer nothing, or you can turn your phone off if it's really annoying you. So we use these um, ways of saying, I've had enough or I'm done. And also in a relationship, people ask each other to go out. You know, they don't, they're too shy. They don't have the ability to say to someone's face, would you like to go out with me? Or, you know, I'd like to go exclusive with you. You know, some big statement is hard to say, so it goes through on text. And then the person answers something a little funky, you know, but people get together through that. They break up through that. And they ask each other to proms and, you know, I mean, it, 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 some, and certainly not everybody, but the ones who do, it's very concerning to me. And I, I believe this can lead to some tremendous ramifications. Um, I want to hear what you, what you think about what I said, but then I want to talk about, I want to talk about divorce, war, and suicide, like that I actually believe what I just said leads to those things. And I'm going to explain a little further. But what do you, what do you think about you know, conflict and people's ability to get through it. You've been in the business world. You've witnessed a lot. You've been in your own relationships. What do you think? Do people accept conflict and receive it, or do you find that it's, it's a tough subject and people wanted to shut it down? I'm 100% in your camp. It's much easier to be brave in front of a computer or on your cell phone screen than it is in person <laughs> over the phone. And we say things. It should be the exact opposite. We need to share conflict in person or over the phone so we can have an exchange and come up with something that works for both of us versus sending something that can be incredibly hurtful because we are brave when no one's in front of us. I absolutely agree with everything you just said. 
Yeah. Well, I, I think we're just experiencing it, living in this world. And so I brought up divorce. I brought up war. I brought up suicide. I mean, we have epidemics, essentially, of these things. And I would say divorce, you know, that's just, that certainly is an extrapolation of starting out as teens or kids and trying to say, you know, I didn't like that you did this. And, well, I didn't like that you did that. Well, don't do it ever again. Well, you can't tell me what to do. You know, how it goes is very a, it's on technology, and B, again, there's a real natural ability to be defensive in technology. When it feels defensive coming at you, you send a defense back, even if that may not have been, again, the intention of whoever is in connection with you. So I just believe we get to be grown-ups, and we're in real relationships. You know, when we cannot text across the kitchen table and text across, you know, our wedding vows, I mean, we, we are really in relationship, but when times get tough, we have, a, my belief is all of this technology is truly stunting our brain growth. It is stunting the brain's ability to understand and learn and explore relationship skills, which is an area of the brain, emotion, relation, connection. I mean, it has chemicals connected to it. It's all in the brain. And if we don't exercise that, then we don't come to adulthood with it. And so now we need it and we don't know what to do. We don't have it. We didn't learn it. No one sat us down and taught us that while we were texting and emailing all the way up till we got in a relationship or got married. So it just becomes the same way you would text. Well, I can't see your side. I can't see yours. Well, never mind. Never mind. So the epidemic on divorce is tremendous. Um, I believe it goes to a global statement of war because it's all just people. I mean, war doesn't begin with, you know, some, the Wizard of Oz really became a god. I mean, it's, it's, it's people talking to people, negotiating, figuring it out. And if you don't have those skills as grown-ups, then it can go a lot of different ways, but some are not good. And I will name that suicide, I have a huge, huge feeling about this because there's absolutely been articles in the news. There's lots of research on it, the cyberbullying kind of thing. And I ask everyone listening to think back to school. Think back to when you were in school, and there was probably a bully. You probably could think of one, one, two, you know, who that person was. The whole school wasn't full of bullies. I don't think most of us went to schools where we, you know, ducked under bushes and stuff to get to our classes. I mean, it just, we kind of knew who, if there was a bully, we maybe knew the name or two of one. But, you know, on Facebook or used to be MySpace or whatever it is that, you know, the technology of the day one person says to somebody else, you know, another student, you know, you're a piece of crap. Nobody wants you at school. And now I'm not even sure that person would have the guts to truly be the bully at the school. I'm not even sure that's a bully. But on Facebook, it's fun if that was, if that person did something goofy at school or whatever. But what's the worst part is then 200 people like that comment. And now those 200 people are not bullies. They didn't even make the statement, let alone would ever do it in anyone's face. And and then a student or a teen or a high schooler or a middle schooler kills themselves because they look at that and they look and say, well, I'm not even welcome at school. Nobody wants me. Never mind going to school. So these stories are very prevalent. And I just want to bring up that it's it's an illusion. We've got a lot of illusion here. It's an, like you said, Michael, and I love that. It's behind a screen. You're behind a screen. You're behind a phone. So nothing is completely in reality. And if we're weaving a tapestry of illusion and we weave that through what we receive in the brain, then, you know, what, what are our choices? Are we really making safe choices, good choices? Are we even learning what choices we have? So, I don't, I, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? I'm completely in your camp and on all fronts that, one, we don't think about the ramifications of our actions, even liking an inappropriate statement. And from a standpoint, even of stress relief, of being calm, of interacting in a way that serves us, it's funny that you brought that up, too. I was reading a book called The Calm Brain, and it talks about ways to create a calm brain. A key piece, they say, is put away your phone, put away your computer, and have real human interactions. That's how you calm down. That's how you develop your brain. That's how you create relationships that are lasting. It's not going to be by texting. It's going to be by having actual contact with people. Yeah, I just, I can't resonate with that enough. And 
I think that part of part of the brain when you're saying that in relationships and, and, and this ties right back to you Michael and the illness that you went through and I know I've been through some and I know, I'm not sure I don't know a grown up who hasn't suffered through something it's it's an interesting phenomenon that I believe is getting worse that it's starting to go, get us younger and younger because the technology is going faster and faster our demands are higher and higher but I think that what I keep trying to teach is the brain is directly connected connected to the immune system. So if your brain's on fully loaded, fast pace, get up and go, big answers, received quickly, top of the line, you know, these kind of, your brain, it's just, it's overwhelmed and overloaded and your immune system can't be at capacity. It will not perform at capacity and you remain in a state of compromised health. It doesn't mean you're unhealthy yet, but you're in a state of compromised health. And, and I'm sure you probably still feel like that's your case at some level. Would you say so? I mean, even if you'd never had a health problem, but especially having problems you're working through, you have to watch this. It is. With, without a doubt, we have a, an inability to disconnect. One of the things that helped me a lot was I walked my neighborhood for exercise, and I'd bring my phone with me and use it as a time to catch up on calls and multitask. What I've chosen to do now is the phone stays at home, and I just enjoy my walk. I enjoy the nature enjoy waving at my neighbors, and to take that time to disconnect and be truly healthy, not just healthy in terms of I'm going to get some exercise, but to give myself a chance to calm down, disconnect, and be in the moment and enjoy that walk. Yeah, and I don't know that the, you know, some of you listeners are highly evolved and into this and really, you know, living in awareness and and some of you are working on it and some of you want to learn it. But I think taking a walk, again, if you read the healthiest, the books on being healthy or, or wellness practices, you know, it is being with yourself. It's being with yourself. Relationship too, but you have to know yourself. And I think that, um, you know, esteem, for example, well, I talk a lot about that self-esteem and I think, so I talk about that your self-esteem that you need in this life to be successful. You have to have some self-esteem if you're going to get places you want to go. And that's built by a strong identity. And I believe that an identity is built by life experiences and certainly life experiences based in reality. So I want to, I want to explain a few things like taking chances so again, think of the internet that reduces. We are not taking as big of a chance if we ask someone out or break up. It's not going to be, you know, we don't have to be as afraid. But taking chances, having courage, taking risks, that all equals a belief that we can do it and the willingness to find out how it worked out. And that's how we know the results of our actions, which give us an identity. So I'm going to make the point that technology steals much of our identity and I think that, again, we, we don't, you know, mistakes and pain, we can avoid those with technology a lot. But with every mistake and with every bit of pain you suffer, that's where you grow. That's where the lessons are. And, and with every success you have and every gain you have, that's where you get to celebrate and affirm yourself. So I think that I'm tying this into identity as well. We have to be with ourselves and be in relationship and take chances and risk and celebrate. And it can't be behind a screen because we're not positive what's illusion and what's reality if it's behind the screen. What do you think? Lindsay, I'm in your camp. <laughs> we need to get out from behind the screen and connect with people in our lives. It's going to help us. It'll help us de-stress. And we need to shut off the things that we feel connect us with everybody. It, it's not being on Facebook constantly and liking. It's not constantly sending texts or emails. It's spending time with the people who are important to us and shutting down those electronic devices so we can truly be present with them. I think that that is just so, so true. And I, I really, I want to say a few things. I want to, first of all, just um, note that I would love a Facebook thread. I would love you listeners out there to start a Facebook thread or answer one if it gets started. Um, do you think there should be any laws around what employers should expect, can expect, do expect? And that's on a vacation, a sick day, maternity leave, paternity leave. Um, if you're off, you know, you may want to contact employers, but if we're in a gray area where we live right now. 
So we do feel guilty. And honestly, I wouldn't say a law regarding friends, but, you know, I know even me, when I'm with clients, you know, I will, it will be hours that I might not answer a phone, but some friends could think, oh, she's just not answering, I wonder why, and have an opinion about it. So I really would love a thread on whether there should be any legal um, actions. I want to tell you Lindsay's life secrets. Number one, an immune system development is not a capacity if we are not in self-awareness. And we've given you examples. Be with yourself or your immune system will not protect you in the best way possible if, if you're outside of yourself. Um, the brain, this is, this is number two, the brain is not developing with full capacity if technology is consuming our thoughts. And we know that it is. So you are not developing a full brain and there's more Alzheimer's, there's a lot more stuff, that's a muscle. You need to develop it, be with it, be present in it. And my third secret is clarity is never a reality if illusion is what we use as the foundation to think and function. So I'll say that again, clarity is never a reality. It can't be clear if illusion, which all technology has woven into it, if we're using that as our foundation to think and function, then we're never with total clarity. And I think we need to consider my comments on anxiety disorder, addiction, you know, these kinds of things that we would never sign up for willingly, but are we doing it to ourselves? So I also want to tell you before the show ends, as we will end in a couple minutes here, um, there will be a Facebook thread also. There's a contest. So please go to Illuminating Now. I want to make sure it's not about this show. Um, You'll get to see what it's about and you can be a part of it and it will be exciting. So Definitely look at Facebook and check that out. And I really want to thank you, Michael, for being on this show and, and just you know being vulnerable and telling your true story and telling it over and over, as I know you do, to help others heal. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you for having me. And I introduced the show by talking about Alan C. Fox, the author of People Tools. So I wanted to make sure I did that so I didn't run out of time. It is in New York best-selling author. It's going to be a fabulous show. I mean, look what we're talking about here today in technology, but relationship, wellness, awareness, people tools. So we're going to talk to the man who has them, wrote them, and uh, can really, really help us with true, legitimate wisdom. I am so appreciative of you being on the show today. Thank you so much for being listeners and for continuing to tune in and We will provide a great show next week. I hope you enjoyed this week. This is Lindsay Levinson. You're on Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. And have a great week. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for Illuminating Now, Lindsay's Life Secrets. Please join Lindsay Levinson again next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.